Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to Hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spoopy, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss, due to their graphic nature, may be disturbing, and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooped out, keep listening, and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. And hey there, this is Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. And this is actually our final episode of Spooptober! What? Spooptober! Woo! Very, very spoopy uh, up in here, up in the hizzle, so. (laughs) His house. We made it. You made it. We made it. Everybody made it through Spooptober, hopefully. If you're listening to this podcast, we made it. (laughs) <laughs> yes exactly it's like woo we are excited um i'm ready to hear of course like this halloween's a little bit different i know a lot of us aren't able to enjoy the usual halloweeny things but halloween always lives in our hearts and our spirits and i'm so excited um around this week i'm guessing we're going to start seeing what people may be dressing up as even if it's just dressing up in their house that's like one of my favorite parts of halloween so anything you're looking forward to particularly this week katie um well, Halloween, just in general, I um, am moving into a new place, and I've already bought Woo! one Halloween decoration, and my new neighbors have already decorated their front porch, so I'm like, yes, my new neighborhood is a Halloween neighborhood, and I asked the lady who lived there before, because, you know, like, when you're making idle chit-chat uh, in a law office... I was like, hey, like, so do people, like, dress up their houses and stuff? She's like, oh, yeah, we're a huge trick-or-treating neighborhood. I was like, hallelujah. I've never had more than two trick-or-treaters ever anywhere I've lived. And it's always, like, broken my heart because I love Halloween, and I've always wanted to, like, give out candy. as part. Like, I buy good candy. I buy Kit Kats and Reese's and um, Blow Pops. And Tootsie Pop, I like Tootsie Pops and Blow Pops. If they don't want them, I'm not offended. But I buy the good candy, you know, not just the Hershey's mix. I buy the Reese's and the Kit Kats. Those are my favorites. And, you know, I like to give them out. I even have a pumpkin bowl that, like, you lifted it off the lid and, like, you put it back on and it looks like a pumpkin. It looks like a little jack-o'-lantern. I'm very excited about that. Anyways, when I grew up, our neighborhood was very high it was a trick-or-treat neighborhood like everyone trick-or-treated but the road we lived on was the main road and it was a two-lane yellow line road so no one would run across the street it was the busiest road in the neighborhood and also our side of the neighborhood didn't have sidewalks the other side did it didn't so we only got a few trick-or-treaters so usually we would just leave candy out and go trick-or-treating and then come back and have people over And get our own candy. So, like, I've never really lived anywhere where kids, like, trick-or-treated. But there is a sidewalk in front of my house. And I'm really excited. Um, I don't know. With COVID, I'm like, maybe I should buy little baggies and just set them out and let people take them. So I don't have to, like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. But I'm just very excited to, like, be able to, like, dress up my porch. Because I have a porch. 
And I, you know, I can, oh, and my front porch and my back porch have outlets so I can hang up lights as I please. I'm very excited. So, um, I can't wait. So I'm, I'm excited to like have trick or treaters and to decorate my house and see how everyone else is. I've already had a few people that have really shown up and I'm excited to get my pumpkin fall candles out of storage and to light them all over my house. So I don't know. That's pretty lame, but that's how I feel. (laughs) No, that sounds amazing. This is obviously our first year. We bought a house earlier in the year in June. So we're experiencing a lot of the first two because we used to live in an apartment. Um, And you did not get trick-or-treaters in apartments. I I guess a lot of people are starting to go towards the trunk-or-treat. So we're excited over the very same thing that we're going to actually maybe have trick-or-treaters. We don't know. It's possible we won't do the COVID. But we're, we're hoping people are being safe and cautious and still celebrating Halloween. So, Yeah, it seems like my neighborhood people, I've seen a lot of people walking in the neighborhood, like exercising without masks on, but like in single groups. And not like all like not conversing. So it seems like people are observant but socializing, if that makes sense, I suppose. Like they're not yeah. getting within six feet of people, but they're still actively out and about. Also, there's a lot of dogs in my new neighborhood and I'm very excited because I'm planning on getting a dog soon. I, but I'm not getting a dog for like six months. Um, anyways, enough about that. We have a movie that Britt picked, and it was a doozy of one. Yes, I am so excited. So, um, actually, so I it Katie picked from my list of five, and Katie ended up picking this movie, and I was so excited because it is a classic, and it is one, I don't think it's even arguable, I think it is one of the best haunted house scary movies ever made. Yes. I, I agree with that, and I, I, remember where I heard about this when I was reading some of the info after I watched the movie. It is on Bravo's Scariest Movie Moments. And I think it's, it must be pretty high on the list, I think. I feel like it is higher I want to say. Yeah, and I know exactly which moment you're talking about, too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's a specific scene that they have, but I don't think that scene, well, okay. There's several moments in this movie. Well, we should say what the movie yes, is first. I'm sorry. So We're getting ahead we of are ourselves. Talk- sorry. We are talking about 1980s The Changeling, uh, which is actually a Canadian horror film. Um, so, yeah. It's exciting. I'm excited. Uh, so, this is currently on Shudder, by the way. So, before we go any further, if you have not seen this movie, please, 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 please watch it on Shudder now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's totally worth it. I I actually got my parents to watch it with me because I was kind of like, ooh, I kind of didn't want to. I would, could have watched it when I was packing up my old place by myself because I kind of knew that that was the one I was going to pick because, like, it was the one that you told me about and I watched the trailer and I was like, ooh, I am so excited. I want to, I am like, I want to know what this movie is about. I want to see this movie. But then I was like, but then I won't go to sleep. So I waited until I was staying at my parents' house and was like, hey, y'all want to watch a movie with me? And then, of course, my parents were like, so have you, what was your review of this movie? I was like, no, I haven't reviewed it yet, mom and dad. Like, that's how it works. You have to watch it first and then you review it. So this is new to me. But they, for some reason, they'd heard of it, but they don't, they were like, I don't think we've seen this movie before. So they were, they enjoyed it too. Like, it's, it's one of those movies that you could probably watch with your parents. I, there's one scene 
that it's incredibly disturbing that I probably wouldn't let a small child watch. Like, but there's not a lot of cursing. And it's not, like, the spooks are more like, I mean, they're not scary, scary. I don't know. They are scary, but, like, I wouldn't say, like, they're not Mm-mm. gross scary. So I feel like after I watched this movie, I yes, I was like, ooh, that was, I was scared while I was watching the movie. But it's one of those that, like, afterwards you can kind of compartmentalize it. And it's not one of those movies that, like, wakes you up in the middle of the night and you're just frightened. At least as an adult. Maybe a child with an active imagination might. Maybe not. I think, Britt, didn't you see this I when did. You were I was probably, child? like, six or seven the first time I watched this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought it was like 10, and I was like, I was like, probably a 10 year old can no, handle it. So, um, the story with me in this movie is that, um, so my mom uh, introduced me to a lot of movies, and I mean, I'm talking about like between my two parents, I saw a lot of movies uh, when I was a kid. And I remember we were at the library, and uh, I like to stress how important libraries are, they are so, so important. And for our family who didn't have, um, a lot of extra money we went to the library a lot and we would uh take home vhs's um and the changeling was there to rent at the library so we rented my mom's like oh this is a great movie we rented it we watched it and it scared the literal shit out of me uh, <laughs> and i have this on dvd i've seen it quite a few times since then um and there's still scenes in the movie that legitimately kind of make my skin crawl a little bit like or maybe they give me cold chills cold chills is the better word I think the the correct terminology is full body chills, which is also a fantastic podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's great. Have you listened to it, Britt? I haven't. It's so it's from the people that do Crime Junkies. Well, it's actually from one of the people that do Crime Junkies, Ashley Flowers, and it's just like scary movie, like I'm not scary movies, scary stories, but like it's kind, it's almost like like radio theater the way they present it. But it's usually, like, one character tells a story. Like, like this season, they did one last season, and they were kind of, like, they, they didn't share a theme. It was just a bunch of different scary stories. And then this year, they're kind of doing a theme where it's, like, uh, stories taking place in the same county called Weird County. <laughs> Get it? Um, but they've had different, like, actors and actresses guest as different characters telling different stories. It's still, like, one person per each story, but it's been interesting to hear, because last year, I think it was just Ashley Flowers was the only person reading the stories, but a lot of them were written by things online that they found, but then also her husband, David Flowers, wrote a few of the stories, too. It's I highly recommend it, and they're short listens. They're all, like, 26 minutes or less. Some of them are, like, 13 minutes long, so... It, it, it's oh, wow. it's a fun like I like to listen to them to get me into the Halloween mood and they only they only do it during the Halloween season like last year they did it during October and then they didn't do any in between and then this October they did it again so it's been and they've been doing one like every couple of days so I've liked it a lot honestly like I think it's a really good podcast but when you said that I was like full body chills which is what they say all the time on their podcast when something creepy happens yes so. I got that with yeah. this movie. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I still, like, get cold chills, like, watching it. And I keep waiting for, like, the time to see it that I don't get the cold chills. And it just never happens. And this most recent time, Mom did watch it with me again. And I think my mom appreciated it. I think Taylor's words was, it's okay. But we don't we don't take Taylor's reviews always seriously. I'm sorry. I Aww, love my husband. But, but that's okay. <laughs> like, he has... 
it, movies aren't everybody's thing. Like, I think everyone finds movies they enjoy, but yeah, I think we've both said this. We definitely obsess about movies more than the average person. Hence the podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> agreed. Yeah, but I will say this whole movie uh, was kind of like I liked it because it was. It got you invested in the story. Like, the whole time, I was guessing what the mystery was. And you couldn't you couldn't really see the curves that the story was going to take. Like, you couldn't see the twists and turns. And it's rare that I watch a movie that I can't tell what's going to happen. Because if you've ever studied, like, script analysis... There are certain patterns that scripts have, and there are certain, like, elements of foreshadowing. And if you've studied script writing or written scripts, like, you kind of know those patterns. And I think I think we've both talked about how sometimes it can kind of ruin movies because you, like, see the twist coming. You're like, ah, I can see this is about to happen. Ugh. And it kind of ruins it for you. But this movie, like, I honestly was, like, on my toes the whole time. I was like, wait, what? Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. So there was rarely something that... I could guess ahead of time, which I enjoyed Um, because that is a rare thing that happens to me nowadays now that I've studied scripts for so many years. And I did have to get the script out. I had to go look up the script because there was something that like I was like, I was like, I have to know more. What are they saying in this part? So it was interesting. And my parents were guessing, too. They were like, wait, is this happening? What's this? Oh, my God. So it's a very good interactive movie, people. Yeah. I would agree with all of that. I, I've really, really enjoyed it. And um, I've, I've always enjoyed it. So I was really excited that you picked this. Um, I'm really excited to think that maybe someone out there will be listening that they never heard of this movie or they never seen it. And they're like, I'm going to go watch it. And it will be, and I'm going to, I'm going to touch on this later, but I thought it was interesting. I sent you a message about this. I didn't know if you saw it. Um, Incidentally, we picked this movie, and they actually just announced this year they're remaking it. Oh, my God. No, I was it on Facebook? Because I, I don't get Facebook Messenger on my phone, and I haven't checked it with no. all the stuff going on. So, But no. I'm excited. No, you're good. I you're good. Thinking, and that's what oh, I was... my God. They should remake this movie because no one's heard of it, and it would be one of those remakes that, if done correctly, could be done really well. If done incorrectly, would be devastating. Yeah, and that's what I feel like. I feel like this movie, like most classic car movies, I will. I I don't know if you agree with me, Katie, but I feel like the jump scare is a relatively new thing. We maybe seen jump scares mm-hmm. really, really come into horror movies, like maybe in the last twenty or so years. Um, and so I love watching classic movies because they rely on good, solid scaring rather than like, here's a cat. It jumped on the piano. It made a loud noise. Ah! Like, yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah. And when I was, like, I found myself yelling out loud several times, no, 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 no. Leave the house. Leave the house. Get out. Get out. Oh, my God. I would be gone. Like, several times because, like, it did feel like what would happen if you were living in a haunted house. Like, like, he, oh my god. Well, we can't get into spoilers. But, like, I yelled at the television several times, no, 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 no. No, this is not okay. And it's not even that it was that the actual event in itself isn't that scary. But it seems plausible if you've ever, like, experienced, like, a haunt. I mean, I, I know, like, again, I'm 
not the biggest be- I, I do believe in an afterlife because I I believe I have experienced things that have proved to my personal psyche there's an afterlife. However, I'm pretty sure most ghost hunters are hucksters. No offense to ghost hunters. Allegedly, you're hucksters. It seems like they are. So I I don't really trust, like, ghost hunting shows. Like, I'll watch them. I watch them and I enjoy them. But I don't really trust them. They don't really... But I think, like, if you've ever had, like, any kind of haunting... Like, it's not like you see a ghost walking by and it's scary. It's like, oh, I put this thing here and it moved over here. That's weird. Like, I had, like... Like, that's the kind of, like, weird stuff that's happened to me, like... Like, my mom lost a necklace, and she, like, couldn't find it. And she asked, again, we're Catholic, so we're weird. But she asked, like, St. Anthony, oh, I wish I could find my necklace. And then, like, it was just <laughs> sitting. It was just sitting on the dresser. And she had looked at that dresser, like, ten times in a week. And it was just sitting there. That's creepy. Yeah. It's good creepy, because you're like, oh, the, I'm usually like, thanks, St. Anthony. But if it's, if the, it's the force finding your necklace is not a good force that's scary so this is like this movie kind of rides the line between is it a good supernatural entity or is it a bad supernatural entity and i kind of i kind of hate and love that part but we'll get more into it when we get to spoilers but you know i i I enjoyed that it felt like a real haunted house you know yeah exactly it's a good one please watch it yes and i i'm gonna go ahead and get into the synopsis for it too um so we are once again talking about the changeling um it is on shutter um when famous composer john russell loses his wife and daughter in a tragic accident he relocates from new york city to seattle for a fresh start however he quickly learns not all is right in the mansion he is renting something is there Something is watching, and it will stop at nothing to make sure John knows the secret of the house he is living in, and an even larger secret at play. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. I got really upset because as I was reading up on things about this movie, I recognized most synopsises for this film literally spoiled the fucking movie, and that infuriates me. That's (laughs) awful. Like, I will say, the trailer kind of spoiled a little bit of something but not enough like i was still surprised like it it didn't spoil enough like i actually thought it was going to go in a different direction um which i don't know if we're getting into spoilers yet are we going to get into spoilers when we go to the synopsis yeah okay yeah let's just yeah i i think we should get into spoilers because there's not well we we can't give a little bit of a rundown i think just some of the characters um in this really quick um, the main actor who plays John Russell is George C. Scott, and he like has a very impressive filmography. Yes, I believe he's most he's most famous for portraying Patton, General Patton, and Patton. And mm-hmm. um, he actually refused the Oscar twice. Uh, yes, <laughs> he was. I think yes. he was the first actor to refuse the Academy Award. Then Marlon Brando refused it for The Godfather Part Part One. I guess Part One. I think he was only in the first one. Um, but yeah, he was the first actor to refuse it. And I love, like, the first time he refused it, he said he was too busy watching the hockey game, and that's why he couldn't come accept it. And then the second time, he basically, when they, like, like, oh my god, I was like, I love this man. And then he was like, he was like, yeah, it's just a, like, 
people were like, well, why don't you want the Academy Award, Mr. Scott? And he's like, because it's a meat market. I don't flippin' care about that. And I was like, yes. Because you know how I feel about the Oscars. So I was just like, yes, no one who deserves it ever gets it. And, like, just because you get an award doesn't mean you're the best actor. Again, Michael Keaton has still not won an Oscar. Just putting it out there. He's one of the best actors on the planet. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I really like him and I haven't, I've seen him in stuff. He was also in, uh, which I have not brought myself to see, but will someday, uh, he's father Kinderman in Exorcist 3, which is like, of all the Exorcist sequels, that one's probably the scariest I've heard next to like the original one. Cause it's actually dealing with kind of the same thing. The second one, I've seen enough oh, of the second one to know it missed the mark. Incidentally, since you mentioned the extra six three, I'm sorry, I retract my earlier comment. So jump scares have been around a little longer in twenty years. <gasps> I feel like the extra set three had the first major jump scare that a lot of people know about. That one? So, yeah. Yeah, I do know about the jump scare in it because I've watched a review of it. I just yeah, I uh oh I don't know why those movies scare me so much, but I need to just like bite the bullet and just watch them. So I can say I have. Because maybe I'll love them and maybe I won't be as afraid of them. Or maybe I'll be terrified and have to pay for extra therapy sessions. I don't know. Um, but he's <laughs> he's also the father, which I think I mentioned this when you said, oh, George C. Scott is in this movie, uh, in the movie Hardcore, where he has this amazingly awful scene where, like, he plays a father whose daughter, like, disappears, like, runs away and disappears. And, like, I think they presume that she's dead. And then someone tells him to watch, like, a movie, and she's in, like, a pornography. So then he, like, goes undercover in, like, into, like, snuff films and pornography and to try to find his daughter. Which I, I don't know the oh. ending of that movie, so I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Um, but I have seen the scene where he's just like, oh, God, oh, like, it, it's just like a man in pain. Is like, because, like, I mean, can you imagine being a father and, like, you think your daughter is gone maybe dead and then you see her in a movie but it's like a hardcore pornography which is nothing there's no kink shaming about working in the the sex trade at all like that's not it but if it's an underage teenager that's 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 troubling because that is yeah sex trafficking that's not like a adult who is making a decision to work in pornography because a lot of adults do that and they make a terrific living doing that and that's fine as long as you consent and everybody consents and you're an adult cool but when you're a teenager you're not allowed to do that like it's it's not okay y'all so like it it's an interesting turn but i'm sorry we we probably get off george he's got he's superb by the way he's he is kind of he is amazing daddy daddy well, yeah weird. and that brings like, me daddy dude <laughs> yeah um uh tris fan Devere, and I may be pronouncing her last name wrong. I apologize. Uh, she is actually still living. Yeah. Um, but she plays Claire Norman. And I don't know if you know this, Katie, but George C. Scott and Trish Van Deer were actually married. Um, and they actually yeah. got married eight years before this movie. And they were married till George C. Scott's death in 1999. So and, and this was their eighth movie together, apparently. They market it as, we've made seven movies in our eight-year marriage, and this is the eighth. Like, that's how they use the marketing. They use their marriage as marketing. But they have really good chemistry. I mean, obviously, they're married. But, like, natural chemistry and, like, I like that the there is a romance between their two characters. But it's not 
the main focus of the plot. And I th- it's subtle. Yes, it's very subtle. It's like you can tell that they like each other and they're probably going to date eventually. But it's it's kind of like under wraps. You know that Amy and Marshall are going to date when they're 16. But they're only 14 right now. Give it a couple of years. They're just friends at the moment. Like, it's that kind of like, oh, that's cute. But they're like, but first we have to solve this mystery. And that's why I like them. So it's cute. And also she plays a fabulous, like, society girl who's, like, not a snob. But she, like, she's like, I work for the Historical Society. And I go writing on weekdays. But, you know, like, I'm cool. And she always looks so amazing in this movie. Like, every scene Claire's in, like, her hair's done. Her makeup's perfect. She has, like, beautiful outfits on. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, a diva. But she's also very nice and very approachable. Um, her character is incredibly likable. Yeah, she's like that cool rich girl who like befriends. She's like the Sue Snell. She like will befriend the Carrie character. Like she's cool. Everyone likes her, and yeah, she she doesn't need anything else to get by in her life. But she'll befriend anybody. Like she's not a bitch. Like I that's why yeah. I liked her. I was like, I really gotta be friends with her. Like she's got money, but she doesn't like taunt people about not having money she just is like yeah i can't help it that i'm rich but i'm gonna be a nice person and try to solve this mystery also this guy's dad bod is really hot so or something (laughs) i don't know george c scott isn't like he was a very handsome young man but at this point he was quite a bit older and uh he wasn't old but like he definitely like i'm like he is like a professor He's, like, teaching at a college, but he's not really, like, that young professor that you might go on a date with. It was just kind of like, he's kind of like a dad professor. So, for me, no, it's going to be a no for me, dog, but you seem cool. Yeah. Well, he's, like, actually, he's, like, a composer, too, and that's what's really, really cool is that, like, he's a world-renowned composer, and he actually is, like, in the movie going back to his alma mater to teach, but the reason he's going back to his alma mater to teach is, like, very depressing yeah um i don't think yeah and it's and it's not really a spoiler because that actually happens in the opening scene of the movie but we'll get ready to get to that we do have melvin uh douglas who plays senator joseph carmichael uh this was one of mr douglas's last roles he ended up uh, passing away about a year after filming uh john calicos who plays the wit is an officer later in the movie and Jean mm-hmm. marsh plays uh joanna russell who's obviously john russell's wife um, movies directed by Peter Medak, um, who, I'll be honest, I hadn't seen any of his movies, but incidentally, he's still working in Hollywood. He's, like, in his 80s, yeah. and he's directing, he's directing TV show episodes, so he recently yeah. did Breaking Bad, he's uh-huh. in Hannibal, so he's still pretty relevant. He even did some Tales from the Crypt episodes, an episode of Seventh Heaven, which now no one watches because, um... We all know what happened to the lead character in Seventh Heaven. It's not a good thing. No. Um, anyways, but also he directed Species 2. And, okay, this is a movie that he directed. And the woman that plays Claire's mother was also in. Or, no, the, no, the psychic. The lady that plays the psychic um, was also in. It's called Zorro the Gay Blade. It's not a pornography. But I thought it was a pornography. When I read that, I was like, is this like like a Betty, uh, what's her face? Not Betty Davis, Betty, oh, Betty Page. I was like, is this like a Betty Page, mm-hmm. like old, like 40s, like, like 
porn but not porn i was like why is it called the gay blade zora i was like i mean is it and then i was like oh no it's just people use that word differently sorry oops but the word blade too just seems phallic so i was convinced it was some kind of porn but it's not it's just a Zorro movie, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was I was kind of um, disappointed. By the way, the guy that plays Captain DeWitt was also, and I'm I really only know Battlestar Galactica from The Office. Even though I do like Star Wars and Star Trek, I've never gotten into Battlestar Galactica. Watched a couple episodes of Stargate. We'll say uh, it was okay. Um, but he played Count Baltar in Battlestar Galactica, the movie and the television show and core in deep space nine star Trek. So he does a lot of sci-fi and, uh, also did you know Melvin Douglas won two Oscars, a Tony and an Emmy, all three. So he almost got the EGOT. Oh, wow. That's uh, impressive. (laughs) I know. I was like, wow. Wow. Um, and also the woman that plays Claire's mother, I couldn't figure out why I knew her. And then I realized she's the bitchy pregnant sister in uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, the movie, with Elizabeth, um, what's her face? Elizabeth, (laughs) yes, Elizabeth Taylor, sorry, and Paul Newman, which is, if you've never seen that version of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, oh my god, it's so good. Um, Just Elizabeth Taylor just exudes sexual frustration beautifully. It's great. Um, And the woman that played the psychic, I also was like, I know I've seen her. She plays, I think I've mentioned this, there's a mini-series of the sequel to Gone with the Wind, which is a lot more PC. Oh, Scarlet. It's a lot more yeah. politically correct. Scarlet, because I've read the book and I've watched the miniseries. It's a lot less, uh, like, like Dixieland forever, like, kind of. It's it's more of, like, Southern pride, but not really at the expense of other people. So I, I enjoyed a lot more. I think I, I love Gone with the Wind, and I know it's problematic. I get it. But I do have a place in my heart for the character of Scarlet because, I don't know, she's an interesting person. And she doesn't get she doesn't get everything she wants. Like, she wants to get what she wants, but she ends up being a spoiled brat and gets punished for it. Scarlet, she becomes a better person, and I think that's why I like Scarlet better because it's more focused on Scarlet and how she's like, wow, I'm kind of a bitch. Maybe I should not be such a bitch to people. And she changes herself and she becomes a better person. But one of her aunts, whose name is Pity Pat, who's in, it's a character in Gone with the Wind too. She's the one that's like, always like, oh my God, I'm going to faint. That's Aunt Pity Pat. That's who plays Aunt Pity Pat is the lady that plays the psychic Ah. in uh, this movie. I was like, oh, so there's some like recognizable people but I think George C. Scott is and Melvin Douglas are probably the two most famous, you know. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool people in here. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, what I love is that like not a lot of characters have screen time. Like I would say, other than John and Claire, um, and pros- probably the senator Joseph Carmichael, not everyone has a lot of screen time. Most of these characters are in the movie for like a couple minutes. Um. But everything feels really, it flows very well. Um, I feel like all the characters are pretty memorable, even though they don't have lengthy screen time presence. So yeah, I guess that speaks volumes for them as character actors, is that they still, you can kind of see every face in your head when you're talking about this movie, or at least I Yeah, it is a a movie. I, I agree, I think it is a really character 
actor-heavy movie, which are the kinds I like. Like, I would say Knives Out is, like, a modern example of that. Everybody's kind of a character actor. Um, a little bit. Did you see Ready or Not yet? I haven't. I need to. Okay. Uh, that's kind of that, too, but Knives Out did it much better. I'm sorry, Ready or Not. Ready or Not's really cute. I just think, uh, Knives Out was definitely, like, more polished and easy, like, to understand. And also, like, had a very sympathetic main character. Like, Knives, Knives Out, I mean, not Knives Out, Ready or Not did too, but, like, I, you learn a lot more about the main character in Knives Out, and you, you root for her more, I hate saying this, than the main character in Ready or Not, because she's fine too. It's just, I don't know. I like, I like both those actresses, but I feel like, I don't know. It's, it's a good movie, but also, like, I feel like you learn more about all the characters in Knives Out and less about... In Ready or Not, you kind of learn about the characters, but it's it's kind of more just, like, goofy. Yeah. And Knives Out gets a little bit dramatic and a little bit, a lot funny. Also, it's another Tony Collette movie, so, you know. Like, exactly. Well, you can't lose with Tony Collette. Her. And Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. We love them. I mean, I, I'm surprised how much I like Daniel Craig, because I get bored with James Bond movies. I think the action scenes are cool, but in between, I get really bored and tend to fall asleep. I didn't fall asleep in, uh, whichever one had the Adele song. Oh, Skyfall. Skyfall. That's the only one, I've, the modern one I've seen. And I, I thought Skyfall was really good. And then when I finally watched the American Dragon Tattoo one, I was like, oh, well, you know what? I really do like Daniel Craig. And then I saw Knives Out and I was like, I really, really like Daniel Craig. He's a good actor. Also, he does a really funny, like, bad southern accent but like i'm okay with it it's fine that's awesome uh back to the movie sorry sidetracked (laughs) no you're good let's um so we're gonna officially uh hit spoiler territory in three two one if you're past this point it is your fault because we are about to spoil the shit out of this movie for you definitely Uh, (laughs) i'm so excited are we gonna are we gonna summarize i'm excited yeah so yeah let's walk a little bit for the movie um so basically, the movie opens up. John Russell's with his wife and his daughter. His daughter's probably like maybe 10. Um, and they're like pushing the car. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we should we should go on like a cruise next time. They don't say that, but basically something like that. And he goes to this phone booth, which you can tell this movie's in the 1980s because there's no phone booths to assist anymore. <laughs> and he's going to call because they're like, they obviously need some service. Their car's stuck on the side of the road. Uh, there's a freak accident, and his wife and daughter are hit by another car, and then they're killed. Um, and the movie, the story, the rest of the movie takes place, like, four months after this accident. So it's still kind of fresh in John Russell's mind. He's very much a character in grief. Um, so he packs up his home, and it's the home he obviously shared with his wife and child. And there's, like, this beautiful, beautiful cut of like it shows the house completely empty and then you see the house and he's he's a composer he playing at the piano and a little girl walks in and she's like daddy catch and she throws him her favorite ball and then the room is empty and the ball bounces and he catches it and it, it really sets the tone for the movie without without saying so much it's like literally a minute and a half scene but it gives you this idea of this character who still He's forced to live in the present, but he's very much still living in the past where his mm-hmm. wife and child are still alive. Yeah. And I also love the so opening scene after that because he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. 
Sorry, our sound's still no, being good. weird. So sometimes I think Britt's done talking and I say something and then I realize she has like four more words. I'm like, oh shit, I'm sorry. Um, okay. I also like the lead into that scene because you just see him like quietly walk from the conservatory that he works at as a composer to his home all by himself in, in New York City. So like, or maybe it was Boston, but it was like a big, it looked like New York City to me. And he's just, like, very sad and lonely. And everyone else is, like, hustling and bustling. He's just kind of trying to get through the day. And they also give a lot of very subtle hints to what he does for a living. Because, like, you see, he's if you look at his briefcase, he's carrying music in his briefcase. He passes by a bunch of people carrying instruments. And, I mean, I'm sure if I lived in New York, I would probably know the building that he was coming from. But it looked like a university or, like, music conservatory to me. Like, that's what it looked like. Um, And, like, so they give very subtle hints about, like, he's moving because his house is empty and there's boxes in it. And he's a composer. And it's, like, you can kind of, like, they're very good at, like, contextual clues. And I like movies that do that. And they do kind of say in, like, the next scene when he's talking to his friends that he's going to work with at the university in Seattle. But, like, they don't hit you over the head with, like, oh, he's the greatest composer of our time. And, oh, my God, composer Russell, come on over here. You know, it's just like, oh, he carries music. Oh, he must work with music. Cool. Interesting. Done. So it's a a well-written, well-directed movie is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like, just in the opening scene, you can tell all this stuff from it. Almost Kaufman-esque. Not really. It's not that bizarre. But... Yeah, and he, so it's like, so you see all this, you get these great, like, you get this great idea of a character, and John, um, George C. Scott is, like, one of those actors, too, he can do very subtle and amazing acting just with his face, so it's like he's talking to his friends, and, you know, um, he, their children walks in, one of the girls Mm. is, like, a daughter around the same age as his daughter was and you just kind of see that sad look on his face and they're just like you can stay here with us and he's like no I I need to be somewhere where I can hold up and write my music and you know and it kind of leads into he ends up going for this historical society and he rents this mansion and it is huge just this huge ass mansion yes which unfortunately is not real apparently it isn't. I found that it's out too, real. and it's so insane. It looks so real. They spent like two hundred thousand just making the front of the mansion. I the think movie. in seventies money too, because this was filmed in like seventy nine, like two hundred thousand dollars with a facade of a house, and like because yeah. my dad, because I'm watching with my parents, I mean, I was like, that house is too big, and I was just like, what? But also George C. Scott, when he meet, you just said he he meets Claire. Claire takes him to the house. He, like, it's obvious in his facial expression that he's thinking, wow, this house is way too big for me. Like, it's so, like, it's not like, I don't know, he seems like a normal person, like, oh, God, this is too big for me. But also, if you sold a New York apartment that was rent-controlled, you could probably afford a giant house in Seattle in the 70s. Not, maybe not now. Seattle's grown up. But maybe, maybe back then you probably could. Exactly. And so that's where, like, she shows him this house. And she even says, like, and she's not, like, being weird or mysterious or anything. She's like, 
going for the house and showing him different rooms. And she's like, yeah, no one's lived here in 12 years. And we, we didn't know what to do with it. And they were thinking about making it into a museum and blah, 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 blah. And there's these great little setups that the first time, I mean, well, I was only a kid the first time I watched the movie, but watching it as an adult, I'm like, there's these little clues sprinkled in that something may be wrong with the house. But we just don't think of it because we think of it as a normal exchange between two people. And... So, yeah, so he ends up, like, yeah, moving into the house. Which has a beautiful music room. And he ends up, like, very early on um, in this kind of the first kind of, ooh, spooky scene is that he's composing some music. He gets called away because I think, like, a water heater has arrived or something. And where he was playing the piano, it just lingers on the piano. And you just see, like, one key. Oh, my God. Also, it wasn't working before. And it's... It was the key that wasn't working before. Like, he had one key that was sticking and wasn't playing. And he was like, oh, it's annoying. And then it just plays one note. But he doesn't hear it, but we do. Yeah. Exactly. And from that moment on, it's just like... I feel like it's like a creep fest. Like, there's... So... um, And I may skip around just a little bit, so I apologize. So, basically, um, John starts waking up in the night. Um, he keeps hearing, like, these loud banging noises. And mm-hmm. he's just like, what can this be? Uh, so the handyman, um, who has a great name, Mr. Tuttle. Um, I can remember that very easily. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Tuttle is just like, oh, well, you know, it's probably just like this. And he's like, no, it's like banging. And it's the same time every single day. And he's like, I just can't figure it out. And so there's these things that John is kind of realizing something is off. But he's not really he doesn't know what it is that's mm-hmm. off. He's just like, everything you're telling me does not make logical sense as to why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I so, like that he has, like, Claire keeps coming by, obviously because she likes him. But I think Claire is friends with his friends that got him the job at the university. So, like, she knows about his family vaguely, but she doesn't know super, like, a lot of it because she just met him. But I'm pretty sure they warned her about it. But, like, there's a scene where she comes over. She's like, hey, I found these old pictures of your house. And I thought you might want them to hang up in your house. Like, that's totally why I came by. It's not because I like you and I want to take you horseback riding. And why I rode, I wore an entire riding outfit just to come bring some pictures by. And she brings the pictures by. And then she, like, is looking at, like, I love the script because she opens up this chest that was also in his old house. And she's like, oh, did you refinish this? It, it's beautiful. And he said, no, I didn't because obviously his wife refinished it. And it's like, oh, my heart. But he's like, he's still like maintaining composure. And then she picks up the red ball because he always keeps the red ball in the chest that his wife finished. It's his little, his daughter's red ball. And she's like, oh, what is this here for? Because she's like, you're an adult grown man. Why do you have like a red ball like for my children's set, like a toy? I don't know children's things. I'm sorry. I don't have kids yet. Um, and he's like, oh, that was my daughter's. And she's like, oh, okay. And, like, she's not trying to be, like, she did, she didn't realize she put her foot in her mouth. And, but then he also is like, it's really cute. Because then he, like, is like, oh, are you going riding? And she's like, yes, do you ride? And then the next scene is them riding horses off in, in like, this beautiful lake country. And you're just like, oh, it's like normal people. Because, like, people say awkward stuff. And, like, when somebody dies, you never know what the right thing is to say. And you never know when you're going to stick your foot in your mouth. And, like, you're just trying to, like, not be an awkward human. And so, like, I felt, like, the pain of that interaction. I was like, 
oh yeah that would really happen he's like oh my god look at this cute funny and you're like that's my dead child's toy and you're like oh god i'm sorry oh i'm so sorry uh and then it's fine because you go riding together yeah and i love the scene after they go riding because um he was uh, it's sad but uh basically he kind of something i think it's his daughter's love of horses that just kind of triggers him and he's standing there and he just replays the accident in his head and he it goes into the sound of the car he wakes up in bed and hears the noise Mm -hmm. of like the the like thumping and he's crying and it's like and it really it really sets into motion of this idea of this man is not at peace and so what becomes his mission in the movie is to help the thing in the house become at peace so he can kind of become at peace too yeah and there's something really beautiful about that but there's also something like the thing in the house is reaching out to him because of the love of his daughter he's so open to communication where maybe other residents of the houses of the house has not been but also is he just is the spirit just taking advantage of john like i okay well we'll talk about this later we'll talk about it at the end but the the spirit or the entity whatever we want to call it starts out very benevolent and very sympathetic but it kind of takes a turn at some point in my opinion which i have very mixed feelings about um, the ending I has, have very mixed feelings about, but let's, I mean, let's, let's go on, but we'll talk about that later. But I, I feel a little bit like he's being taken advantage of. Yeah. And there, and I, I could talk about that a little bit too, about like my ideas of what may be happening. Um, but there's a scene where John, um, ends up writing this piece and like, I guess the local orchestra performs it and like the senator's there. And it's very interesting because right at the beginning, they're like, oh, that's Senator Joseph Carmichael and Claire's kind of telling him about Joseph Carmichael. And she's like, yeah, he actually owns the society, um, the historical society. He has, like, a foot in it, or he has, like, stake in it. He's their biggest donor. Yeah, he's their biggest donor, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, So he's like, okay, whatever. And once again, you think that's a throwaway line, but it does come back to great Mm -hmm. importance later in the movie. Um, So what we see happen is that... uh, So one day, John's, like, literally walking on the house, and... A window just busted, and it busts outward, outwards. And so, what I love about John Russell, he literally, he's not like, oh, shit, that was weird. He literally walks back in the house, he takes his shit off, and he goes, and he's like, where the hell did that window bust out? Of, like, and... I hated this scene, because I was like, no, turn on the lights, turn on the... Like, he wouldn't turn the damn lights on, and that upset me, because there's nothing worse than investigating a noise and not turning the lights on full blast, like, in the dark. Oh, my God. This was when I was like, no, 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 for the first time. I was like, no, 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 turn on the lights, John Russell. Why would you go up there in the dark, you <laughs> dumb dumb? I love this, though, because I always love this because it always reminds me, like, of uh, Faulkner's, like, A Rose for Emily, like, always, like, secret rooms in the house. Um, so he ends up, something almost draws him to this room and there's like a bookshelf in -hmm. front of the door and he's just like it's just like a madman ripping this shelf off and realizes there is a hidden door um and so i love that part i was like oh my god because oh because my sister and her fiance bought a house recently and they have a weird bookshelf that's built in that in their basement like they have a they have like an old house that was like built by like a frank lloyd wright copycat well it was like one of his son's like students 
So it's not a Frank Lloyd Wright house, but it's like, it's like inspired by Frank Lloyd Wright. So it's like kind of a cool house, but I was like, why the hell is there a random bookshelf? Because it doesn't seem to fit. Like it seems to be like very, it sounds hollow. And we were talking when they moved in about like just opening up the bottom shelf and just seeing what's behind there. And we like got out the blueprints. But this is my favorite thing is secret rooms and houses. It's treasure or scariness. I don't know which one, but there's nothing better than a haunted house with a hidden room. I love it. Exactly. You're just like, what the hell is about to happen? And so he, there's a lock and he literally like, just in like almost a like trance, just hits this lock over and over and over and over and over again. And he finally breaks it and he goes upstairs and there's like this little room and it's just, you can see where the window's been busted out. So it's definitely something from the inside busted this Mm -hmm. window out and there's a little wheelchair and there's a little book and it has like initials on it and it was obviously like a child's book so this is kind of what sets john russell off okay who who lived in this house what happened in this house um so he goes through the historical files first and of course there's like oh wait but but there's also a music box he gets the music box first i think oh yes thank you tell me about the music tell him about the music okay Okay, I, I I love the music box part because so he's he's composed and I I think I got us off track so sorry Britt but he composed this piece of music right and he's played it and he's he's recorded it and Claire's heard it and he's played it before and then he opens the music box in this little room and it's playing the exact same tune that he's been playing that he thought that he composed of his own accord. And he's like, what the fuck? And Claire comes over and he's like, listen to this. It's like the same fucking song. And she's like, well, maybe you heard it. He's like, I swear, I've never heard this song before. I have no idea how I wrote it because I've never heard this song. She's like, well, it must have been pretty popular if it was like, you know, in a music box. Like if it was just a commercial music box, it must be pretty popular. And then I think I think that's when they go to the historical society because they're like, I wonder what happened. Because he shows her the room and is like, look at this weird freaking like old diary. Look at this weird wheelchair. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? I'd be like, I don't know what I would do if I moved into a house and there was like a tiny baby child size wheelchair and just like an abandoned boarded up room and be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, but that's when they get to the mystery and the co- the conspiracy and the cover up, and that's what is like the best part of this like haunted house movie is. There's also a conspiracy cover up, and that's why I love it because yes. you just get inklings of it in the next scene. Exactly, and so they go to the historical society, and he's like going for the paperwork, and then of course there's that one kind of old like not really creepy but kind of unintentionally creepy lady who's like. That house doesn't want anyone to live in it. And he's like, oh, so there has been problems in the house. And she just, like, runs off. So they're like, okay, we're going to... Just, she just ghosts. She just, like, ghosts out of there. She just, like, creepily walks out of the frame. You're like, bitch, what the fuck? Like, why would exactly. you say that You're and like, just what walk is... away? She just, like, runs away, basically, as <laughs> she says it. So then, like... They go to their library and they're just like, we're going to type the name of the, the address of the house. And they end up finding out that there was a little girl that was hit uh, by like, a, it's not like a car, it's like a, a coal truck, a coal car. What is it that? I think it was a coal truck or yeah. a coal cart. 
Yeah. It was like turn of the century. It was like a little girl got murdered. Yeah. Well, she yeah, so it was like 1909 and she 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 held on for 3 days and then she passed away. So they go visit her grave and at this point John Russell is just convinced that this little girl is the one that's trying to reach out to him because he's like, "Oh, she must mm-hmm. sense that like I just lost Kathy, his daughter." Um so yeah, uh, and then, like, we're getting to the scene that's on, like, the, uh, Bravo's 100 Scary Movie Moments, so I think at this point, John's very susceptible to what's going on in the house, but he's still, I mean, he's pretty straight-laced, so he's still not really, like, fully invested in it, so his daughter's ball bounces down the stairs, and... Oh, that was my second no, 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 no moment, Yeah, and he's just creepy. It is so freaky. And so he literally, he takes the ball and he's just like, you know what? It's almost like he's done with it. Like he's trying so mm-hmm. hard to start anew. And now it's like. Well, because also he dog. thought it was yeah. in that chest of drawers. How the hell yeah. did it get upstairs? Yeah, it just, it just literally blows down the stairs. So he literally mm-hmm. goes to a bridge in the dead of night and drops this ball into the water. Comes home. Just like the mask. Yeah. He comes home and it Sorry. just drops down the stairs completely soaking wet. And this is when he's like, this look on his face, George C. Scott is such a good actor because the look on his face is just like, oh shit, I better do something. And that's when he yeah. seeks out a psychic. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, I love that he goes to like the psychic research uh, area of his university that he works at. Which just made me think Ghostbusters, which I'm wearing my Ghostbusters shirt tonight. It just says boo and has the Ghostbusters logo on it. A couple good things came out of 2016 Ghostbusters, including this t-shirt and the reemergence of high C Ecto Cooler. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> um, it, I just like got Bill Murray, like when they did like the card things at the, the opening scene of Ghostbusters where they're so mean to that poor guy that keeps getting shocked. I was like, oh, it's like, that was a thing in the 70s, I guess. Like, that was a thing in the 70s and 80s. Like, psychic research was, like, emerging and, like, people thought it was, like, a science. And then, I mean, not that it can be a science, but most people that do psychic research nowadays, you think of, like, Miss Cleo and things like that. Like, they're hucksters, which sucks. Um, but anyways, but he goes to them, they're like, you know, but I love the way the, the psychic research professor's like, you know, 99% of those people are complete frauds. Just straight into his face, like, they're they're all frauds. Except for, like, 1% of them, and oh my god, is it amazing. And he finds a psychic for John Russell, and they invite the psychic and her husband, Claire, and Claire's mom. Which I was like, why the fuck would they bring this, like, 79-year-old lady to a, a seance. I mean, I'm glad, like, maybe she was just into it, but she doesn't seem into it the entire scene. She seems real freaked out, which I would be freaked out, too. This is a freaky scene. Yeah, I think Claire's mom's, like, facial expressions is, like, how a real person would be, like, in a seance, because she's like, she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's, like, literally, well, what happens, and it's just, like, chilling, is that the psychic walks in everyone else goes into like the little dining room area and she's just like i'm gonna explore this damn house and like in it like she just literally goes up the stairs and automatically goes to the hidden room and she's but she closes the door because she's like oh bad things happened in that place i don't, I don't oh yeah go up there 
she literally looks up the stairs to that room and she just like literally is like nope and closes the door like literally like nope and so she sits down and it is so chilling the way they did this scene because the lady who plays the psychic is just so fucking such a like i don't know what it is about the way she did this scene the way they filmed it is so great because she's just like asking questions and she's like are were you did you die in this house are you here and like her husband she's just scribbling on paper her eyes are just looking mm-hmm. straight ahead and she's scribbling on which paper. is that that, that is so like annoying. a a thing that is like a psychic like seance thing like a lot of people do i can't remember what the exact term of phrases but that is a thing where like people who are psychics will just like start like scribbling with their hands and like let whatever spirits come like right through them so like a lot of them like you'll see scribbles but then there'll be like words in between it because like the ghost can only get through every so often but that is like an actual like psychic technique again not sure if it's a huckster technique or just a technique but you know like that is a real one that i've heard of and it gets like i like that her husband is just like repeating all the like he has obviously done this with her enough that he knows like when it's an important word and when it's just scribbling and he's just like no died here and then they get the name of the child and it is not the little girl it's not cora that we thought it was and john even has that reaction too because she's like are you the child cora no and it's like what is your name and it's like joseph and that's where you even see john russell's like face like what like because this whole time he's suspecting cora and then it's like well who the fuck is joseph and oh my god because they they didn't find any josephs at all living in that house exactly so it's like what is going on here and um so after the whole scene which is just absolutely chilling it's like that seance scene is like one of my favorite scary movie moments i think i've ever seen they they have i think i don't know what it is it almost looks like a candle but they have it in the middle of the table and it's vibrating yeah yeah and it's vibrating with such frequency and it's like john's here do you want to talk to john john is here and the candle just literally flies off the wall and shatters like at that point claire's mom's like screaming so yeah like this is obviously not her thing like (laughs) and then oh my god this is what actually leads into like my favorite scene in the movie even though it's like can be very very triggering a very upsetting. This was the one that got me. I This is the one yeah. that I'm like, I would fast forward it for children because it is awful and does not cut away. But it's not bloody, but it's just, uh, yeah, I really hated this scene. I did, I, my whole parents and I, my whole parents, my the whole room of people, me and my parents were just like staring like, oh my God, this is terrible. I did not like that scene afterwards. Did not yeah. like it. I'm getting cold chills just literally thinking about it. So, um, and I, it's weird because I love this scene. This scene gives me cold chills, and there's a very similar scene in The Sixth Sense that ever since I was a child gives me cold chills. Um, and it's where scene is. Wait, it's been a long time since I've seen The Sixth Sense, but I was getting Sixth Sense vibes in this movie. I was getting "I am your daughter" kind of vibes from, which is the scariest scene to me is the "I am your daughter" scene. I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh, you're talking about the others. Wait, what movie did you say? The Sixth Sense. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, are you talking about it's the okay. videotape scene? 
Yeah, the videotape scene is pretty... I, it is not okay. That is the worst part of the Sixth Sense. Yeah. So it's that vibe, guys. It's, it it's pretty bad, vibe. guys. So, like, literally, John Russell is listening to the plague back. He's listening to the plague back, and it's just like... Uh, it's like, he, he listens, and then he turns it up, and then he's listening again, and then he turns it up again, and then he's listening, and it's like, are you the child, Cora? No! And, like, he's just like, what in the fuck? <laughs> and so he listens. It's an EVP, y'all. It's an yeah. EVP. Oh, my God. No. He, I'm, like, in cold chills. He listens to it, like, four times, so you're subjected <laughs> to it over and over and over. So, like, every time you're Because he can't believe to, it. Yeah. It's like. Like, I wouldn't be able to believe it. I'm glad he recorded it. Oh, apparently, by the way, whatever recording device he had, my parents were like, wow, that's a really nice one. So, apparently, he had the creme de la creme reel to reel because my parents were like impressed like wow and i was like i was like i just know reel to reels look i know what they look like but i don't know like what was a good one and what was a bad one way back when but it's that it's that giant thing with two spools of like it looks like film but it's uh what tape it's tape what what the hell what am i saying it's tape but it's like audio tape but it's it's a uh, it's very interesting. But apparently he has a very nice one. So he uses his very nice one to play back the creepy child voice, which I do I don't like the creepy child voice. Yeah, it is absolutely terrifying like it. because it's like a it's not like a normal child. Like my my ten year old nephew is staying with me. It's not like a normal child voice. It's like literally a ghostly wail, and he like he hears it. It's also like high pitched. It's like I'm Joseph, and. It, yeah, I, like, I'm like, ah, ah, it's kind of like the little boy who like can't. It's like the little boy on the meme is like, what if you were, and then you could uh, um, uh, uh, and you could uh, uh, the stuttering kid. It's like that kid if like you turned up it to like chipmunk speed, like yeah, ah, it's creepy. No child talks like that. It is so scary because it's like it basically what he hears. He's like, no, my. My room, my room, and then it's like my name, and like so he hears, and it's so sad because what you literally see is like the camera, and I feel like it's an amazing shot, but it's so jarring. So the camera whips you, you go for the house at like warp speed up into the room, and then you see what happens, and you're hearing Joseph's voice, like the little boy on the recorder, and he's like, body, what? Father, no. And you see his dad just drowned him. Like, hold his legs yeah, and, and drown him. He's like a tiny little child. Um, and he just holds his legs, and I guess he didn't have arm strength to push himself up, and he just drowns him, and it doesn't cut away at all. And you're just watching a little boy drown, and it's freaking terrifying. I don't like it. And I think it's worse than The Sixth Sense. Like, The Sixth Sense was really sad. The VCR scene, the VHS scene, it was very sad. But... Oh, I wasn't... I'm sorry. I wasn't talking about the Munchhouse Syndrome. I was talking about, um, so, uh, when Dr. Crow... Spoilers for The Sixth Sense. Spoilers for The Sixth Sense. If you have... I finally watched it a few years ago, so y'all should have watched it already. Come on. I'm slow to watch movies. Yes. I mean, guys, it came out in 1999, so it's not a a new movie, at least. It holds Um, up. But Dr... Yeah, it does. It is an amazing film. And Dr. Crow, who's played by Bruce Willis, uh, what it is, is early in the movie, he's shot by his former patient. 
And so he's going back and he's listening to video recordings because Cole, um, his current patient, has a lot of the same similar problems that his patient that shot him at the beginning of the film did. And he's listening to these recordings and much like this, he hears like his patient kind of started to snuffle and he's like, what's wrong? And he turns it up and he hears someone just speaking in French that wasn't in the room. And what it is, is that he mm. knows, like, at that moment, he knows what Cole is telling him about ghosts is true, because that's what his other patient had the same gift, but at the same time, mm. it's terrifying as a child just for something to follow you around and try to talk to you, and you're not even understanding what it's saying. Yeah. So, I mean... It would be terrifying as an adult, too. Yeah. Well, kids... Like, it would be terrifying no matter what age, if you just heard, like, somebody trying to communicate with you, you'd be like, uh, like, I want to help you, dude. But, like, this is really scary. Which is what happened with John Russell. Is yeah. that he's like, I, I want to help, but he's also terrified. And he, like, kind of has, like, a... Because he doesn't sleep all night because he's listening to this tape. And he almost, like, has, like, a physical breakdown. And he calls Claire and passes out. And she, like, shows up. And she's like, oh, my God. And he tells her what's happening. And she... I think this, you know, she just, like, starts crying yeah. hysterically. Because it's, like... Can you imagine how... Ta- like, I was shocked watching the scene of the bathtub. But, like... I mean, that would terrify me. Like, if I found out a little kid was drowned in my house yeah. by their father. I think I think Claire's reaction is, like, legit, too. Because I think with Claire, it's like that a child. It wasn't just, like, the tragedy in the spirit. It was that a child was killed. And I think that's what, like, just kind of left Claire, I mean, in such an emotional state. Like, she's, like, literally sobbing. Like, John Russell almost passes out after he listens. Or he actually does pass out after he listens to the recording. Yeah, he does. But um, it kind of sparks them on this journey that they're just, like, we have to figure out what happened. And so they go, and this is where, I'm sorry, my memory may be getting a little bit fuzzy. So there's certain things they know from the recording that Joseph Carmichael is the child. He was killed by his father. Yeah. He mentions his mm-hmm. body in a well. He's like, my body, the well. A well. I had metal. to go to the script for this yeah. part. That was This was the part where I had to look. He said, my metal, my body, the well, the ranch. And so they finally find um, some clues to the fact that the Carmichael family is related to the senator. And they owned the house a long time ago. And the senator actually grew up. His family lived in the house. His father and mother lived in the house. And he spent time away from, like, out of the country getting better. Because apparently he was very sick as a child. It's much bullshit, though. Because it's a fucking conspiracy theory. And I, I, it's not even a theory. It's a conspiracy cover-up. And I... I was like, oh my god, it's the best kind of cover-up because, like, the thing that bothers me is, like, it's not, like, whatever comes out, it's not like the senator did something, but I guess it's embarrassing, which is why it was so frustrating that it was, like, a cover-up because, like, the people involved have all passed on at this point, so it's, like, it would only embarrass that person I don't really know how it would be detrimental to him. So this is when the ending gets really weird. But basically, they do all this, like, detective work, and they figure out that the Carmichael family owned a ranch. The ranch was sold. Oh, and there was a well on the ranch property. The ranch was sold and parceled off to 
have a housing development and they find the plot that the supposed well was in the best part was my dad's a cartographer and we were watching this movie and he got really excited because there were maps on the screen but not just maps they were giant books of hand drawn maps that somebody had to hand draw and i was like wow that is fascinating that people like used to actually have to hand draw every line on a flipping map and they're gigantic but anyways it really got my dad really excited because maps yay um anyways but we were watching it and i was like oh that's cool so then they go find the house and they knock on the lady's door oh well real quick real quick and um so john russell and claire end up putting it together that what happened is that joseph carmichael the real joseph carmichael who's the little boy who was murdered uh was born very sickly his mother passed away when he was very young and his grandfather, his mother's father, was like what John Russell called a zillionaire. He was like, he was loaded. And so, he didn't like his son-in-law. He didn't like his daughter's son. So what he did, he left his entire inheritance. Oh, his daughter's husband. Yeah, his daughter's husband. Thank you. I'm sorry. He didn't like his daughter's husband. So he left his entire inheritance to his grandson. But the only thing is, is that his son-in-law wouldn't be able to touch it until like the boy turned of 18 and would be of, of age to collect the inheritance. And so also if the kid died before he was 18, all the money went to charity. Yes, exactly. And so the real Joseph Carmichael was born like very sickly child. He had to use a wheelchair. So his father essentially murdered him for money and replaced him with another child. And so no one would know that an orphan. Yeah. An orphan, yeah. and since no one would, he wouldn't want anyone to recognize the difference between the boys. He basically sent the new Joseph, the orphan child that he had, that he took from an orphanage. He sent him like off to the Alps to be like he's getting better, and he didn't return till he was eighteen. So it was like no one could even piece a difference that it was a completely right. different child. He had been such a long time, like, and he he was so sickly that no one really knew him very well to begin with, except for probably his family. Yeah. Um. So basically, Joseph Carmichael, that the senator, we'll just say Senator Carmichael, I guess. Senator Carmichael didn't do the murdering, but he benefited from it. And I guess Joseph is very upset about that. The, the ghost Joseph, the real Joseph. Um, which I get. I get that he is upset. But, but at some point, it starts getting really creepy. So... They are like, okay, so we know where Joseph's body is buried, is in that well, in that lady's house. And at first, they're like, I don't know if she's going to let us do this, but they show up at this lady's house, and she's actually, like, quite receptive to them, because she's like, um, so I would, I, first I was like, y'all are crazy, and then my daughter had a nightmare last night of a little boy trying to come through her floor, which is frightening, and there's, like, this... Uh, terrible scene where the little girl like wakes up in the middle of the night because they're like okay so this is the room where it happened this is probably where the well is and she's still not convinced so joseph like flipping wakes the little girl up in the middle of her sleep which i don't know how he teleported all the way to her house but okay Uh, maybe because his body's buried under her house maybe i don't know i don't know but he like basically wakes the little girl up makes her sleepwalk into the room and then like manifests all scary in front of her and she just starts screaming and that part was really scary and then like the mom's like okay fine dig up my fucking floor just uh, get it out of here and they do they find bones and they call the police and they don't find the metal and it's like at first i was like well they got the dna and i'm like oh shit this is the 70s 
Uh, they don't have DNA. I mean, it was released in 1980, but, like, it, the movie was made in the 70s. So, like, they, they don't have any, like, DNA evidence to prove. So, like, how are you going to prove those bones are the real Joseph Carmichael? Um, the only thing to prove is that metal. And then uh, there's a... Uh, what's his face? John Russell goes back. This was the thing. I was a little upset with him. Because he goes back in the middle of the night and no one's staying at the house but he breaks their window to get into the house to go get the metal and joseph like they do a little like camera trick where they like play it backwards and the metal comes out from under the dirt while he's looking which was kind of cool um and but i was like uh like did you have to break their window could you not have just like jimmied a lock open or something dude like that lady like lets you dig up her floor you could at least not also break her window come on um, but then they have, like, the metal, and they're like, I can prove it! But then, this random, pl- oh, it, what, but first he goes to the senator's plane, and it's the weirdest scene, and I don't blame the senator for being scared of him. Yeah, he literally, like, he goes to poor, so, it's not really poor Senator Carmichael, but Senator, like, Carmichael is, like, literally getting on the plane, and he's like, Senator Carmichael! He's, like, waving the metal around and shit. And the senator just looks at him like, dude, what the fuck? And, like, John Russell gets tackled by some security guards. And he gets on the plane. And they're like, what is that about? And he's like, I don't know. But then he takes, he undoes a button on his shirt. And you see he's holding the medal. Like, the exact replica of the exact same medal that John Russell found in the grave. Yeah. It's so creepy. And, like, but he seems to not know... Yeah. He seems to not know exactly what's happening. Like, not to be privy. Because he was six years old. And he doesn't. Yeah. Like, think about, like, your memories from when you were six. Like, some people. Like, some people have good memories from when they were younger than six. But most people, like, their firm memories start at about that age. So, uh, like, I feel like the only memories I have from when I was really little is, well, my creepy ghost story. Because it happened when I was, like, three. Maybe four. And then, like. Um, the with the time I got stitches and cut my forehead open, but that's because like it's a story I've retold a lot because it's interesting. I don't know if it's interesting, but like it's something that's memorable, and I, I've told the story to many people, so it stayed fresh in my brain. But if you don't tell stories over and over again, sometimes they leave your brain. So like I I can imagine that as a six year old, he just knew his dad as his dad, and he probably. Just thought, well, I didn't know my mom, so that's why I don't have any memories before six. So, like, I no. can't really blame him as a child for being adopted. And no, being like, this is and my I dad. have my, my own theories, too, about what may have happened. So, Which is, yeah. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Mm. No, no, you're good. Uh, theories. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess, so. so he thinks he's being blackmailed. Which I get. And he gets all, like, weird, bribey senator. And he sends this cop to John Russell's house. And it's Officer DeWitt, the guy from Battlestar Galactica. And he's kind of a dick. And um, he's basically, like, threatening John Russell to not blackmail a senator. And he's like, I'm not blackmailing him. I just, like, I found something that belongs to him. And I was trying to set it right. And I felt like that was the only way I could get a hold of him. I mean, he was being rather insane, just screaming at him, like, at an 
on the tarmac, but you know, it's fine. Like I get it. He has, he's really sleep deprived. Um, but he's basically just like a complete dick. And then Claire comes and she's like, yeah, so they fired me and terminated your lease. What the fuck? And then she realizes the police officer's there and he's like, I'll be seeing you all. I'll come back with a warrant. And then something, then like, this is a part that I started not liking Joseph, the ghost anymore. Because he starts, like, like making crazy things happen in the house. And, like, J- John's just like, what the fuck do you want me to do? What do you want from me? I've done everything I can possibly do. And then something worse happens, which I don't know if you want to cover this part, Britt. But this was, like, this was, like, I kind of was, like, oh, we're crossing a line here, Joseph. I don't know if I trust you. Yeah, this is... This is the moment that I was joking uh, when I watched this most recent time. I was like, oh, Joseph is officially an owner, yo. Like, he is, like, a vengeful spirit. He goes from, like, maybe being something along the lines of, like, a poltergeist to, like, literally, like, flat-out vengeful spirit. Like, he is mad, he's angry, and he can now officially hurt those who are living. And um, so he literally... uh, John Russell goes to a mirror. The mirror shatters. A piece of it gets stuck in his neck. And meanwhile, he has, like, kind of a vision of what happens. But then Claire calls immediately afterwards to confirm it that um, DeWitt was killed in a car wreck. So it's like DeWitt's car just flipped out of nowhere. There was no one around. And he was, like, very brutally killed in this car wreck. Um, So at this point, it's like, I mean... We as the audience definitely feel like this is Joseph and somehow, and I feel like at this point, John Russell thinks the same way, like somehow Joseph has killed the wit too. Oh, I mean, I think it's quite obvious he has because it's just like, what the fuck's going on? So then I think that's when he decides to go to Senator Carmichael's house and he brings the medal and or someone takes him to senator carmichael's house i think one or the other and he goes to senator carmichael's house and he's like listen dude i'm not blackmailing you here's your fucking medal but here's what i think happened your dad's a murderer he murdered the real joseph carmichael adopted you in his place and you've profited from murder and that's morally wrong and i'm not going to do anything but tell you and here's all the proof you can keep it, whatever. I'm washing my hands of it. And he just kind of leaves him. It's a very good scene. I really like both the actors. They have a lot of good moments. Um, and he just kind of leaves it there. And he walks away. And he goes back to the house. Oh, but first, wait, while he's gone, Claire has, like, the scariest moment of the movie, I feel like. Or one of the scariest moments. Is she goes up to the house and she keeps thinking she's hearing John's voice. So she keeps going, she goes up the stairs, and he's not in his bedroom, and he's not in the guest room. She goes to the second floor, still not there. Goes to the third floor, and the fucking wheelchair chases her down the entire staircase. And that was, I think that was the scariest part. Like, because she could have, like, actually gotten hurt. Yeah. I don't remember if that happened before or after DeWitt died. Yeah, it was after. It was after DeWitt, because he's literally at Senator Carmichael's home. And, like, she gets chased around, and he meets her at the bottom of the stairs. So he's, like, literally walking in the door. Yeah. And then she's, like, she's, like, thoroughly shaken. Because, like, he basically, like, chased her down the stairs. And she fell. I was, like, oh, my God, she's going to die. She doesn't die, but she falls and gets hurt. And 
more shaken than anything else. He's like, okay, you just go wait in the car. I'll be right back. And she's just like begging him, do not go back in the house. I do. Do not go back I in the house. I do want to bring up something real, real quick. So when oh, he's confronting. No, you're good. You're good. When he's confronting Senator Carmichael, Senator Carmichael literally gets like upset enough that he's crying. And it doesn't feel like a facade or a fabricate. Like he's like, my dad was a good man. And what I can't help but mm-hmm. think happened, I think. Yeah, that's why I feel bad for him. I think what happened is that like maybe the jo- so maybe Senator Carmichael's father or like, you know, like the man that adopted him to replace Joseph. I think what happened, he was like, look, my son did die. I feel like maybe he did know that the son did die. He's like, maybe, you know, my son did die. Uh, but I, you know, I want to give you the life that he should have had. And so he sees him as this man who adopted this orphan from an orphanage and raised him and took care of him. And so I believe he knows about the child. I don't think he believes in the murder of the child is how I feel. Yeah. I mean, and again, like I only got to watch this once. So like, I was just like, I mean, he was six. He probably had no idea. And even if he did have an inkling, I mean, maybe he didn't have a confirmation. Maybe he kind of suspected, like, I don't really look like my dad and I have weird memories of being somebody else's kid and living in an orphanage, but maybe I'm just wrong. I don't know. Because also, like, sometimes people are in such deep denial that they will just push it down further and further and further and further. So maybe it's like that. Maybe it's just a lot of, like, denial. But either way, it's kind of like, I don't know. Like, you can be resistant to some bad news, but eventually you do have to accept it. Yeah. Um, but the, the crying thing that was probably the best performance because i was just like oh god he's really upset but i feel like i don't know what i would do if someone came and told me one of my parents like murdered my sibling and then adopted me in their place i'd be like what the fuck you are lying because i have good parents and honestly he was a good parent to him yeah he just was a terrible parent to joseph and the thing is like it's not like here's the thing with joseph like he could have lived to be 18 but he didn't i think John Russell says it's like he decided not to bet on him that he just would rather, you know, murder him and make sure he adopted a kid that would live to be 18 than like take a chance on this kid who was sick because like he could have lived like you don't know like people I mean I know it was 1909 so like or 1920 or something like hundred yeah very long time ago yeah but like you know they like kids did survive you know. So, like, he might have been one of the only survivors of whatever disease he had. I don't know. It seemed like polio, maybe. But he also seemed to be very, like, small for his age. So I couldn't tell if he, like, had a growth issue or if it was, like, polio. I mean, because also he was in a wheelchair. But if you had a growth issue and you didn't have modern medicine, you probably would have trouble walking. So he looked very diminutive for his age. But, again, I don't know. They also you even don't really see his face very much. Even hit even the young girl's mom says she saw a boy and he was very small, very waif like. So we do know like he's very tiny boy. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and yeah. so um but I did wanna Oh, also the lady at the the lady at the um historical society is in Senator Carmichael's pocket. Like she calls him all creepy like they're starting to let on. They're starting to figure it out, Senator Carmichael. I'll, I'm always your servant. And I was like, oh, that's creepy. It's like the like Rosemary's Baby, like creepy Satanist shit. Anyways, 
Um, so <laughs> give me those vibes. Um, anyways, but what were you saying? Oh no, so yeah, so it was, and that's and that's the one kind of thing that felt like more like a red herring that like maybe Spencer Carmichael did know more what was going on, which what leads me to believe because of that scene that I'm like. He probably knows, but what he knows is actually a twisted version of the actual truth. Like, he... Right, he, and but he specifically kept people from living in that house for many years. Yeah, so he has to know something is up there, too. And they even mentioned at some point, I feel like, I can't remember where it's mentioned, but there was, like, happenings where it was, like, no one was lasting more than, like, a year or two in the house. Mm-hmm. Um... But I did want to touch back because you mentioned the scene. And, oh, my God. So, um, Trish Von Devere is such a great actress in this scene. Because, like you were saying, she is literally just, like, losing her mind. Like, don't go back in. Don't go back in. Like, she's, like, clawing and pleading. And she's just scared out of her mind. Which I can imagine you terrifying. Yeah. It is awful. It's terrifying. I don't know what I'd do if, like, a, like this office chair chased me down the stairs at my parents' house. <laughs> I would never go back in that house again. <laughs> I, just I was like, like, what has wheels? I just feel like we should film a short of that happening now. <laughs> we should. Oh, my God. Also, like, I gotta say, the technical marvels of that scene in the 70s is, like, amazing. Because, like, they film it from the wheelchair's perspective. So that you don't see any wires or anything because of how they film it. It just looks like you're chasing her down the stairs. It's so creepy. But we should totally film that because I would totally be okay with that. Um, it also reminded me a little bit of whatever happened to Baby Jane, too. I was like, oh, wheelchairs. Wheelchairs are scary. Are, wheelchairs are fucking terrifying. I'm sorry if you're wheelchair-bound. It's not you. It's the empty wheelchair. Sorry. So that reminds me of earlier when um, Claire does listen to the recording and she turns the corner and she just like sits there and she's looking and John Russell is like, what? And you just see the fucking wheelchair at the top of the stairs, like just scary. Yes. Because it's. It's so scary. I don't know why empty wheelchairs are scary. I think because there's supposed to be a person in there and there's not. And it's like, where's the person? Why are you moving on your own? Rocking chairs empty are scary too, though. Yeah, what's great about this movie is that, like, so Joseph's presence is there from the beginning, but after that recording is heard, the presence just becomes so much more powerful in the house. Like, so much more powerful. Yeah. It's almost like you give strength to it by, like, feeding into it. Which is almost like you can almost argue that maybe he's imagining things for a while, but then, like, in the ending, so, like, they get to the ending, and he goes back into the house, and everything's going crazy. It's kind of like, uh, it's so there's there's kind of like two things going on. There's, John goes back into the house to be like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. I've done everything I can. The house starts, like, reverting, like, rebelling against him, and the chandelier is swinging side to side, and, like, things are rattling, and then, like, he gets knocked unconscious. He falls through the stairs and he fall- He knocks unconscious and he comes to. And at the same time, Senator Carmichael has put his medal that he's worn his whole life and the medal that was the original Joseph's on the picture of his father on his desk. And, like, everything starts shaking in his office, too. And then all of a sudden, like, I guess this is supposed to be his spirit or yeah. something. 
like John Russell body, wakes yeah. up and the house is like literally on fire. Like it, it caught itself on fire. And then um, you see Senator Carmichael ascending the stairs while it's on fire. And you're like, what the, f- is, did he walk all the way over here? I was, I was a little confused at first, <laughs> but I, he, that's what we were like, did he, did he walk over here? Or is it just him like in spirit? We're not sure, but they do cut back to him and he's still in his office. But, um, uh, Joseph kind of takes his final revenge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so Joseph, I think, hurts Senator Carmichael in the worst way possible because Senator Carmichael's final moments on Earth are literally seeing his father murder the original Joseph. Like, it's what he literally sees. So he goes up the stairs, he sees his father drowning Joseph, and it prompts him to have a heart attack, and he dies in his office. Yeah. And then they go back to tell him, because John wakes up and he gets out of the house before it, like, completely bursts into flames. And they go back to Senator Carmichael's house and they see his body being put in the ambulance. And they're like, oh, shit. And then, and then, there's a creepy scene where they go up to, like, the burnt rubble that is the house. And the music box is still there. Yeah. And it plays. Yeah. It's the music box and the wheelchair are the only things that are left unburnt. Like, oh, shit, it's going to happen again. I was like, what else can you do, Joseph? You've already sought revenge. Which, the thing that bothered me was, like, I get that Senator Carmichael did gain from Joseph's murder. That's awful. But he was a child when it happened. And what else was he supposed to do? Like, I don't know what Joseph, what would have appeased Joseph. And I feel like if it was the father that was being punished, I would be 100% for it. But it felt kind of like wrong for him to punish someone who was also a child himself and didn't participate in the murder. But also, like, he was an orphan and he was adopted. And what was he supposed to say? No, thank you. I don't want a dad. Like, what? You can't say that when you're like, you want I a think, family? Like, I don't know. It kind of bothered me. I, even though he wasn't a great person. So what I always felt, um, cause I used to think the same thing. I was like, like why it felt like such a dramatic turn from having a child's ghost that literally is just kind of wanting peace to where it's like John Russell literally says, he's like, what do you want for me? Like, you know, I've done everything. And what I've always assumed at the end, it's almost like a child throwing a temper tantrum. Like it's like a child who doesn't get his way. Yeah. And I guess he's a, he's a ghost of a child too yeah and so and i feel like more than anything it's what he's mad about senator carmichael i don't think he's mad the fact that senator carmichael was adopted i think he's mad the fact that senator carmichael had the life he was supposed to live that he never had the chance to live yeah but i mean like again he was six but i guess if you were a child ghost you wouldn't have that you wouldn't have that frame of mind about that so, I don't know. It's just, like, I kind of I kind of felt bad for the senator. Like, I, I don't think he's, like, the... He didn't seem like a terrible person. He didn't seem like an amazing person. Um, He did yell at his son when he came in the room. He was like, Dad, you okay? I heard a lot of yelling. He's like, get out of here! And I was like, oh, it's kind of rude. He's just checking on you, dude. Um, But, like, I, I kind of didn't like how vengeful the ghost became. But I guess it's, like, it's kind of a lesson to tread softly uh when you're like you know wading into the paranormal like maybe maybe just don't like get too far into it because 
you might find something cool or you might release a vengeful spirit who might like kill people and that's awkward you know and really you know sad. what i kind of i kind of thought of a little bit is that i love the twilight zone i love the original twilight zone and i don't know if you remember mm -hmm. um it's a good life which is like one of the most famous twilight zone episodes um but basically, a little boy is kind of born with these powers, and they just try to mm -hmm. appease him because he's a child. And he mm -hmm. does a lot of things that are very bad and evil, but it's not because he's like an evil child. What it is is he's a child, and he doesn't understand uh, what he's necessarily doing. So all the adults try to just make him mm -hmm. so happy. Um, and it kind of reminds me yes, of like I that. love that episode. I've seen that one. Oh, God. It's quite, quite creepy. It's so good. Also, The Simpsons did that on Treehouse of Horror for one of their episodes. I didn't know that. And Homer turns into a jack-in-the-box at the That's end. That's, like, the scariest part of the episode. Which I think is what happens to the dad. Yeah, that yeah. is so scary. Um, but it's kind of like that same idea that, like, with a child, sometimes there's I'm sorry, um, there's just really no pleasing a child. And so it's like, John Russell yeah. does do his best to satisfy Joseph's ghost. And just nothing, it's too late. The damage has been done. It's a whole life has gone yeah. by. And he's gotten no peace. And I think at the end of it, it's just he's vengeful. He's, he's gone from a murdered child to something, not demonic, just something that just, can't, vengeful. yeah he just can't find peace so just vengeful yeah it's just it's just yeah it's scary but then like you're like you are completely justified to be upset that like there's no saying you're not justified to be upset it's just i feel bad also for senator i i feel like the father should have been punished and he escaped it and so now the senator is getting punished i mean i mean but also like what was he supposed to do come out and be like i'm not the real joseph carmichael the man's like in his 80s like yeah. i don't know what they expected him to do but again it's a child ghost it's just like a bad situation all the way around like i'm like i couldn't figure out a way around what happened i was like there wasn't any like there's there it's kind of a plot hole but then like it's a plot hole that doesn't have an answer so like you're like i guess it's just a life hole you know it's not a plot hole it's just a life hole sometimes uh any way the cookie crumbles is just shitty and you don't want to eat that cookie because it's full of shit so, I don't know. <laughs> uh, life, life, life is terrible sometimes. So, uh, but, you know, that's probably, like, the only, like, negatives I had about the movie. I, like, I ha I'm mostly positives. I think this is a gem of a film. I'm very glad you did it. Also, by the way, Martin Scorsese has this on his top 11 scariest films of all time. Oh, awesome. Which is pretty cool. And it was based on supposedly real life events. Because, so there's several writers of this movie. Um, there's Russell Hunter, who really the only thing he wrote was this story. And he based this on supposedly an experience he had um, at the, what was it called? Henry Treat Rogers Mansion in Chessman Park in Denver, Colorado. So if you notice, they, they named the neighborhood that the house is in, the Chessman Park as well even though there's not really a chessman park in uh seattle um but supposedly he is also a composer and he was like writing stuff in that in a house and some creepy things happened he found out a little kid died there although i did go on the 
like the library website for the the town that this house is actually in. And they're like, yeah, we can't really find any like evidence that he lived there or that anyone died in that house or anything. But cool story, bro. Um, basically. Oh, I- I don't know if you also read the same article I did. Like, supposedly he was like, and I went back to the house, and as they demolished the room I was staying in, it exploded and killed the guy operating the construction truck. And they're just like, yeah, we we don't... Oh, I didn't read that part. Yeah, like... I tried to find the original one, Mm -hmm. like the original article, and it was like, sorry, can't find it. And I was like, oh no, what happened? But I found, yeah. like, the follow-up article where the guy who was writing on the library was like, hey, kids, so I did some fact-checking. But he's like, I can't really find any evidence of this, but hey, check out your local library. And I was like, I will. Thank you, library. Um, but I found that was interesting because I was like, oh, so it's kind of based on a real story, but also it might not be. It might have been he just, like, kind of made shit up. Um yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Um, also, George C. Scott learned to play the piece of classical music he plays for the college students in the film. Like, he actually played it. So, Aww. that's cool. Because they, they did a good job. They didn't really cut away from him too often while he was playing. But he didn't play a lot of different music. So, like, I was like, I think he's really playing. Sometimes you can't tell. Um, but it seemed like he was actually playing. Because sometimes they, like, cut away and you're like, oh, no, they're they're not playing. That's somebody else's hands. But they did it. They kind of showed him rehearsing with some students and it looked like he was actually in it. Also, he seriously did actually, like, play off. Like, they were playing off. And then he was like, yeah, we were off on this measure or this measure. I was like, oh, you were. Like, good job. That was, like, a musical direction. That must have been really hard for all those musicians hired for a movie. He's like, okay, guys, you can play pretty well but you need to be off in this this and this part okay just make sure you don't play exactly right i was like that's pretty funny <laughs> like that'd be like the most frustrating uh like role to play is like you can't do it well exactly stop stop doing it well <laughs> like kudos to those musicians um and apparently i don't know what scene he was in because i was trying to figure out maybe he's playing joseph the child but i doubt it because he would be too old. But apparently Joshua Jackson, the actor from, like, Dawson's Creek, this was his first movie, and he was just a few months old. So apparently there's a baby in some scene, and that's Joshua Jackson, and I don't know what movie it is. I don't know what, what scene in the movie there's a baby, unless he's playing Baby Joseph, maybe? But apparently Joshua Jackson is in this movie. Oh, wow. And he was just born. So. It must be like cool. when they're like when they're right, at the big Dawson, He's thing. on Dawson's Creek, right? Maybe, or I was thinking maybe he's one of the children, like the dead children, or something. I don't know the dead child. Maybe he was like in a picture of him when he was a baby. Maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I recommend this movie. I thought it was really, 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 really good. Yes, I love this movie. So of course I'm I'm gonna recommend it for sure. So. Yay. Do you have a rating for it? Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to say this is going to be eight and a half out of ten for me. Um, I'm trying to think of... So I feel like it's a really, really good haunted house movie. I feel like there is a very sudden change of hands. Um, not that Joseph gets more vengeful. I don't really have a problem with that. I guess the only problem I do kind of have an issue with is DeWitt's uh, scene being murdered. I felt like, let's introduce this character and yeah. let's kill him. Like, within five minutes, I think, was a little bit Yeah, that was a hair odd. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it comes very close to me to Gideon 9. I would say that's the only scene that I feel is kind of problematic, just in my opinion. Um, other than that, I love this movie. I did rate it S for seances and CD senators. Ooh. Ooh, so I, I definitely give it, like, an 8 out of 10. I thought it was really, 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 really good. I almost give it a 9 out of 10, but... Oh, no. I mean, it might be a 9 out of 10. I'm going to say it's closer to a 9 than a 7, but it's an 8 out of 10 right now. Um, I Well, I had one rated W for watch out for wheelchairs, but <laughs> that was just a joke one. But my real one was rated... <laughs> uh, the real one was... The real one was rated C for creepy children and creaky wheelchairs. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like it, too. Maybe, yeah. You want to go with that one, or you want to go with a different one? No, we can go with C for creepy children. You don't think it would ruin anything, or you don't, not ruin anything. You don't think it would spoil anything, do you? No. Okay. It's pretty obvious by the poster there's a wheelchair and a creepy child. That's true. Like, the poster has, like, literally, like, a, the silhouette of a creepy child in a wheelchair. I'm sorry. It's not the child's fault they're creepy. They're a ghost child. It's not their fault. And I'm not shaming people in wheelchairs. I'm not shaming creepy like ghost children. The wheelchair just, like, plays. A th- yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to shame anyone who's who has to use a wheelchair because that's, and, no. Like, and, it's cool. Y'all are cool. You didn't, hear, oh, you didn't hear the joke I said. I said you said. Oh, you, you said, said? Um, right, right afterwards you were just, like, in creepy ghost children i mean it's not their fault they're creepy i'm like yes we don't want to shame creepy ghost children on this podcast i don't i don't want to shame creepy ghost children i don't want them to haunt me like come on like play along brit it's fine they're fine it's fine you're all you're not creepy i promise um oh we we did go to school with a creepy ghost child kind of sort of two really one was a small child and one was like a teenager so like one of my dorms had a ghost in it she's cool her name's condy she's fine is it i wonder are people in the north as obsessed with ghosts oh yeah as people in the south yes very much so because i feel like haunted houses like i do tell huge. ghost stories with northern people but i feel like i have more people in the south like just being like yeah my ghost lives with me and you're just like cool i have quite <laughs> like, a, i don't know i have quite a few ghost stories actually um I do too, but like mine aren't like my my personal ones are like oh I saw this weird thing happen, but mine aren't like like I have stories, but also like I'm a little skeptical, so I'm like eh, it might have been a ghost, it might have just been someone playing a prank on me. I never really found out, so you know who knows. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited that we watched this movie, Brett. Thank you for recommending it, and thank you to your mom uh for making you watch it when you were like seven <laughs> because like totes totes my goats it was great i loved it thank you thank you i'm really excited i hope we introduce uh some new some people to this great movie and i hope maybe it becomes a little bit of a revival before uh, we see this remake that i am incredibly nervous about and maybe it'll end up in production hell that happens a lot to remakes but um i hope if it is greenlit and it does go through um that we we have a solid remake and not just something very crass um so yeah we'll we'll see we'll see but yeah but I wonder, I'm curious too, like, have they announced a casting or anything for the new movie? No, 
no casting, but uh, a film director who is foreign. Um, I do not want to butcher his last his name. It's Anders English Englishrom. Anders Englishrom is the actor a uh, director. Um, I looked up his movies. They're all foreign movies. I'm honestly not familiar with any of them, unfortunately. So. Oh, sorry. My cousin Mike is uh, texting me, and I'm pretty sure he's had something to drink. Uh, because they also sent us some pictures of him and his sister, and everyone looks like they've had a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of alcohol. We're, our family's it going happens. through a tough time. Our My uncle died this week, which he's the uncle, actually, that had not seen The Shining, but still went to The Shining bar with him and his wife and my cousins. So, I love you, Uncle Steve. Uh... He's really cool, dude. But uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do the Shining episode was because I was like, I can't believe my Uncle Steve has not seen The Shining, and he was alive when it came out. But they're, uh, you know, I don't know if everyone grieves differently, but I know I want to grieve with a couple drinks at night. You know, it's it's not grieving if I haven't had a couple glasses of wine with my family and laughed about the good old times. So, um, anyways... Yeah. So, oh, cool. By the way, I just checked our email, and we have a bunch of, like, like, hey, do you guys want to collab? So, sorry, we haven't been checking our email. Sorry. What? Also, our podcast is now on Amazon Music. What? We have, so... a, email, we have a collab email? Yeah, I just saw it. When was it written? <gasps> what? It was, like, a fitness brand. Oh. I don't know if we would be the right people for a fitness brand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either one of us goes to the gym on a regular basis. Although we both uh, had to if, do. <laughs> if we have to stuff cook, if, if it's a stuck cookies in our mouth brand, I think we can we can do that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel bad though because really I didn't like. I honestly didn't see it. Like, um, but thank you. But our, apparently, we're also on Amazon Music. Cool, that's awesome. Amazon Music sent us an email. Heck yes. I was... I would say um, Instagram us. Um, for anyone who's wondering, we are very, very active on Instagram. It's probably the easiest format to reach us at. If you even want to shoot us a DM on Instagram and then um, give us your formal email to contact you at, that would be awesome. So, because even as a podcast, I feel I feel like even as a podcast, we get a lot of spam emails. So, even when we oh, glance at the emails. Yeah. Uh the the first couple emails we got, I'm pretty sure were like spammy. So then I kind of stopped looking at the emails, and like the last time I looked at the emails, we had like two, and now we have like twenty. And I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry though. <laughs> I feel bad. Um, if it really was, if it really really was, did I just say really was? It's the wheelchair thing. I guess I have the word wheel stuck in my head. <laughs> it really was just like I didn't look at it at any at all um anyways <laughs> oh my gosh so i guess we're back to just doing regular movies brett yes i mean just not spooktober anymore which i will miss spooktober so okay so we we're going to pick a very depressing movie um but uh since katie's going through some personal depressing stuff we're gonna uh, like i'm gonna pick the movie this week and so Britt can pick whatever depressing movie she wants next week because Katie should be up for it. Um, so please bear with us. That is not depressing. But we're picking 
a movie that we got some positive feedback immediately as soon as I posted the top five, like my top five spoopy movie list. Like the first comment we got was like, oh my God, I love Reanimator. So we're doing Reanimator and it is on Shudder and I'm pretty sure Hulu as well. I know it has been on Hulu, um, but it's for sure on Shudder and it is starring Jeffrey Combs and well, he's really the only big name, but Jeffrey Combs and I can't remember the guy that plays the professor, but we gave a little bit of a synopsis for Spooptober episode one. Um, and it's it's a fun, comedic, scary, gross movie. Um, and it's a Lovecraft-inspired movie. So if, if you've been watching Lovecraft Country, which I've fallen behind, I was pretty caught up and then I didn't watch it the last two weeks, so I don't know what's happening now in Lovecraft Country. But I gotta say, it's kind of turning into like an almost like an anthology TV show because really? it usually involves this, like the same group of people. Like, the same, like, circle of friends and family, but it shows different stories from different times in their life and from different angles. So it's not as, like, it's not just, like, this is the main character, we're going to follow them every episode. It shoots off and does episodes featuring side characters and, like, their viewpoint, but it still involves the same group of people. So I think that's very interesting about Lovecraft Country, if you haven't watched it. It's very good. Um, So I guess we're going to do... We're going to do Reanimator. I want to make my parents watch it with me because I think it'd be very funny. Um, maybe, I don't know. There's one terrible, like, like awful scene, which I think we touched base on. Um, but everything else is kind of goofy and fun. And I thoroughly enjoy Reanimator. So thank you for letting us do something fun this week. But I want to do the depressing one next week because I have been meaning to watch that movie. But we just haven't, I don't know, I haven't been in the right mood. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll watch it next week, but this will be a good distraction. So we're kind of, it's kind of still spooktober because it's still kind of spooky, but not like, it's not scary. Yeah. I wouldn't call it scary. Well, it's always spooktober in our hearts. That's just who we are. So. It is. It is. That's why I have not one, but four Halloween themed t-shirts and a couple sweatshirts. You know, it's, I mean, I, I live for the month I can finally wear my little, uh, current mood pumpkin jack-o'-lantern t-shirt. It's my favorite. Um, <laughs> it's my all the time mood. Um, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll be, uh, a watching reanimator and a review in it. I don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> but we'll be reviewing it next time on Grindhouse Girls podcast. Please uh, like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps the channel. I always want to say channel. It helps the podcast out. So I watch too much YouTube, you guys. <laughs> um, please like, <laughs> please like, comment, and subscribe because it really helps the podcast out. Um, if you have a friend that likes spoopy movies, share our podcast with them. Just say like, hey, this is a spoopy podcast. And if you want to get some ideas for a spoopy movie, listen to these two idiots chatter for two an hour and a half <laughs> you know t- t- just a couple of gals gavin about grindhouse crap um anyways <laughs> uh 
anything else to add, Britt? Thank you again for uh, suggesting. Thank such you, a thank you. Movie. I appreciate the feedback. It always makes my little black heart warm when someone enjoys a spooky movie that I recommend. Um, no, guys. Um, as usual, I do like to sound off. Say um, we love you very much. I hope you're keeping safe. I hope you are taking care of yourself. This is your reminder. Please drink water if you haven't today. Um, please take a nap if your body needs it. Uh, we love you, and we're glad you're here, and we're glad you're listening. So. <laughs> we are glad you're here. Take care of each other. Uh, it's still COVID season, unfortunately, so keep wearing those masks and keep uh, respecting other people's uh, health and uh, take care of each other and be kind. Please. It's a spoopy world out there, but it can be a little less spoopy if we're all nice to each other. Very true. uh we 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 mean it though yeah i really do mean it i want people to be kind to each other it does start with you so guys we are signing off uh we will see you next week same spoopy time on the same spoopy channel stay spoopy y'all stay spoopy (laughs) y'all bye 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 katie love you guys love you bye thanks for listening (laughs) bye The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.